Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and even strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution, as these podcasts will feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have The Terminator, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Linda Hamilton, Michael Bean, directed by James Cameron. And welcome back to Rye Smile Films as we unveil film number two in the cask of The Corporation from Hell. And it's good to be back. The voice is about 80%. Certainly a lot better than last week. A lot better than the weeks prior. So yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to do this thing. Like this, this is this is a nice feeling. It does sound like my part my old partner has returned. So. Yes. I'll just tell you what, yeah, the being being sick that it's 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 been it's been the pits. I was sick for like all of February, so that Yeah, it's a month easy. Jeez. So yeah, it, it really takes a lot out of you. But yeah. thank you for listening. Thank you for coming back. And uh, we got a lot to talk about today with uh, James Cameron's nineteen eighty four classic, The Terminator. And well, before I go down that road, let's raise them up because I want to toast you should do this at the end, but let's toast the end of February. Mm-hmm. That is the worst month worst month of the year. The weather sucks and there's a sham holiday stuck right in the yeah. middle. So <laughs> Valentine's Day. It's the trap holiday for, for guys like me and Matt. Indeed, so indeed. But before we get started today with the happy hour, we're gonna start with uh, the flight question for the for the week. And being that this is I would like to say Arnold Schwarzenegger's coming out party, like this was he was like bona fide movie star after this film came out. Uh, and arguably, maybe you'll agree with me, Matt. I don't think a bigger 80s movie star than Schwarzenegger. I mean, Stallone's certainly in the conversation, but I think the 80s belonged to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, you won't find any argument from me mm-hmm. in that regard. Yeah, dominated so, a decade. So th- this is a fun little question, being that, you know, he has such a diverse filmography and, you know, we're, we're fans of the guy. So, Matt, what is your favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger film? So what was fun for me was looking back at Schwarzenegger's filmography. And before I answer this question, I just have to tease our audience a little bit. A couple pretty remarkable things came up upon my recent search. Mm-hmm. Uh, two upcoming features for, for Schwarzenegger include Triplets, which is a sequel to Twins, with Eddie Murphy playing the third leg in the triplet. Mm-hmm. Now that has tons of potential. Yeah, that should be good. And then this one <clears throat> was shocking to me. There's another Conan movie. The script's written. It's called The Legend of Conan. And for those of you that listened to the pre- previous podcast, the director on this I think is equally shocking. Mm-hmm. It's Paul Verhoeven. We should just call this podcast the Paul Verhoeven podcast. He just keeps coming up all keeps the time. Keeps coming up, I know. <laughs> yeah. And I have to tell you, I am so fired up to see that movie. But that's not... Either, neither of the, the prequels, if you will, to those are my favorite Schwarzenegger film. Mm-hmm. For me, it's Predator. Uh, I think it's a great story. I love the fact that it's set in the jungle. And one of the things that also benefits Schwarzenegger in this film is he's got a great, great movie monster villain. Mm-hmm. You know, the alien is number one. I think Predator's probably number two. Yeah. Just iconic looking thing. You know, the line, you're one ugly motherfucker. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's just so good. That movie to me is infinitely rewatchable. Mm-hmm. Anytime it's on, I find myself watching it. Um, nod to Shane Black, early yeah. Shane Black yeah, in exactly. that movie. Actually in it. Yeah. He's yeah. the guy that tells the bad joke about his wife and her, um, yeah, his wife. And uh, 
Yeah, for me it's Predator. I yeah. love that film. There's other ones truly. There's a lot of good movies for Schwarzenegger's list, but for me it's Predator. This is interesting. Um, yeah, Predator is one of those movies. It's like that's like the ultimate guys movie. Is like this like these macho like green beret guys that are gonna go in and they get more than they bargain for with this creature. You know, speaking that we're talking about Cameron today, there's a little anecdote um, in Predator. So. Stan Winston designed the creature in Predator and in The Terminator. And he w- he couldn't quite nail the design of the Predator. And he was on a plane with Cameron. They were sitting next to each other. And uh, Cameron turned to him. He's like, he's like, you know, I'd really like to see a creature with mandibles. Mm-hmm. Like, So she was like, oh, that's interesting. So he did a sketch. And that's kind of what we got was like this elongated, like these four pincers that like kind of open up and retract. And I'm with you. That's, that's a cool creature design. But... So quotable. Stick around. Get to the chopper. <laughs> like, come on, do it. Do it I'm right here. Yeah, kill me, mm-hmm. Mac, Mac. Like it's, you could quote that movie to death. Like, oh, yeah. oh that's 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 a good injury. Uh, injury. I I I I flirted with with picking that one, and I'm kind of like you. There's a lot of stuff that I could pick. You know, I have a soft spot for The Running Man and films like Commando, Terminator Two. Yeah. Uh, even True Lies, I even really like True Lies as a kind of like a comedy action film. But the film I'm going to have to choose is Jingle All the Way. Uh, this class, I'm just, I'm joking. Oh I, God, I, I, I couldn't do that. I, I, I had to throw that in there. But there's really only one Arnold film I, I can choose, and that's Total Recall. Again, the Paul Verhoeven podcast. Yeah. But to me, this is Arnold... You know, kind of entering the 90s with this really great story about, you know, taking a vacation based um, that's implanted. And then, you know, kind of the adventure takes off from there. Infinitely quotable. Get your ass to Mars. Quato. See you at the party, Richter. Those, just give those people air Cohagen. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's great. It's a great action film. That's ooh, another uber violent, like, film, film as well. Yeah. You got to get Sharon Stone, Michael Ironside. That's Ronnie Cox. Like that's yeah. it's it's that's my favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger film, and it was in a box set that I had that had Predator, uh, Commando, and The Running Man. Yeah, pretty good box set, huh? I'd say so. Yeah. So, all right. So, you know that 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 kind of does it for the flight. I'm warmed up, uh, and it's happy hour time now. So let's get time. let's get to it. Let's start with our review of. The Terminator. Los Angeles 2029 and full brew we get the war of the machines humans versus robots cyborgs whatever you want to call them and then we're treated to a very eloquent piece of uh ex a dialogue on the screen that I think really sets the scene and it's so good I got to read it right now okay the machines rose from the ashes of the nuclear fire their war to exterminate mankind has raged for decades but the final battle would not be fought in the future. It would be fought here, 
in our present tonight. Like you kind of get you get like this sets the stage so perfectly that it's it's a time travel movie, but we're not going to spend our time in future Los Angeles. We're going to be spending the time in 1984 Los Angeles. And the first comment I want to make just from this opening and anytime we see the future scenes, you know, the that big machine, the the the, the hundred killers that, you know, they're just going over, just running over these skulls, skulls. billions of skulls. Yep. Um, for a movie that has a budget of $6.5 million, these future scenes look pretty good. Agreed. Like they're pretty done. Uh, you know, the, the the and the flying hunter killers with the laser. I've always really liked that that sound effect that the, that the laser that really really great sound design. So that's kind of the one thing that really jumps out to me is, you know, looking at this one in the sequel. There's there's a less less budget with with this one, but I don't think it really impedes these future scenes. Yeah, the. Uh flashbacks or i guess flash forwards that we see with uh kyle reese and his adventures in post-apocalyptic you know was it la 2019 mm-hmm. i think are are in <clears throat> some ways for me some of the best parts of the film mm-hmm. i love the scene when he's taken refuge in the bunker yeah and we see just sort of these scattered refugees the kids sick mm-hmm. eating just slop they find a rat they have like a celebration mm-hmm. and that terminator comes in mm-hmm and just starts unloading on them. And he's told Sarah in several points prior to that in the film, there's not many of us left. And you see that Terminator coming in there, two guns blazing with its red eyes and the shirt kind of torn. Kind of looks similar to Arnold as far as body type goes. I think he build. was. I think he was a bodybuilder. For sure. You can tell sorts. by his chest, mm-hmm. right? And uh, just unloading on these people. Some of my favorite moments in the entire movie are those future scenes. Mm-hmm. Future Los Angeles. Yeah. So we go directly from there to 1984 Los Angeles with this garbage worker whose car's malfunctioning. And he's like, God damn, son of a bitch. Now, I got I to gotta tell you a little bit of, the, of how I first saw this movie. Because much like last week, you said you saw Alien for the first time on cable. I saw Terminator for the first time on cable. So most of the good bits... Like this, I didn't know this guy said it. He's just a mute in the in the cable version. Mm. And then years later, it was probably around the time I first saw Aliens. I got like addicted to Cameron's films, his early stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, I actually did a book report in eighth grade on James Cameron. How about that? Yeah, exactly. So that's probably never been done in, in middle school history. <laughs> uh, but uh, I um, I put a little kind of compilation reel of like some scenes from from his movies. Uh, together so I had to go I went and rented the the Terminator watched it and I was like wait a minute all these bits are in this guy's talking Linda Hamilton showing her boobs at the at, in the in the love scene like I missed all this stuff watching it on cable Arnold uh operating his eye like they take all that stuff out the fuck you asshole bit like they, it's it's all nixed wow. so that's kind of my first uh foray into the Terminator do you remember the first time you saw this yeah, actually, we rented it um, back in the day when we used to get most of our stuff from Smith's. <clears throat> Me and my buddy had rented it one night and sat down there. Surprisingly, the funny thing about this, mm-hmm. I bet you can't guess what section in the video store it was housed in. Horror. Yep. Horror. That's a perfect segue, too, because I think, much like last week, Alien horror alien on the ship this film i feel structure wise 
is kind of like a slasher film again. Yeah. This is Arnold as the boogeyman cyborg, the Michael Myers, the Jason Voorhees that's trying to kill Linda Hamilton, Sarah Connor, by any means necessary. And he won't stop until that task is accomplished. And from this scene, we see Arnold emerge into 1984, all super buff, naked because clothes and technology can't come with them into, into the past. But... I think Arnold works really well as the antagonistic element in this film. I know they they tried to really make him a good guy in the sequel and, you know, buddy buddy and the thumbs up at the end. I think he works better as the villain. You know, they gave him 18 lines in the movies. He has very little dialogue. It's all looks, kind of looking around. And then he's got that soundtrack, that do-do-do-do, do-do-do-do. Like, so whenever he shows up, you hear that. And he's just going from from area to area, just wiping everything out. I think the part that really shows what you're talking about for me is when he's in the cop car with his burned off eyebrows. Oh, my gosh. And he's just patrolling. Look, and as he's patrolling, he's just scanning left to right. Like, at the same pace, the same motion, just very robotic, not human. Uh, shockingly, Arnold's a really good robot. Mm-hmm. Right. And kind of kind of scary too. Yeah, kind of I mean, real the, scary. You can't. Yeah, the burned off eyebrows certainly help that. But uh, yeah, he's uh, he's got a good villain presence. Now Arnold wasn't this. You're, this is hilarious. This is absolutely hilarious. So they originally wanted Arnold to do Kyle Reese, or I think he did. He wanted to be the the, the hero, and um, so they needed a Terminator. And one of the people they turned to was O.J. Simpson. <laughs> So, Cameron didn't want OJ, quote, this was actually said, James Cameron did not want OJ Simpson because he couldn't believe that OJ could play the part of a killer. <laughs> but don't, like, wow. exactly, like, isn't that, like, the most, like, I, I don't even know what to say to that, but. Well, the juice was the Hertz guy at those days, running through the, the airport, hurdling chairs. Exactly. Really super likable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whoops. So they eventually moved Arnold into this Terminator role and, uh, you know, got Kyle Reese. Or they like still me. needed they still needed to get that part. One of the names that this is going to drive you crazy or surprise you, Sting, the oh musician. Yeah. But there's a thing going on with him right now and the infatuation with Sting in science fiction at this point, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because there's Dune, obviously. Dune, The Bride. The Bride, right. That's mm-hmm. what I was going to say. I was about to say The Hunger, but that's that's David Bowie. What's that other film that, which by the way, as you just said, that is a fantastic film. Mm-hmm. If you have not seen The Hunger and you want an artistic take on vampires, see The Hunger. That is a like tragically underrated movie. Off-gauge autoloader. That's Italian. You can go pump or auto. The 45 long slide with laser siding. It's a brand new, we just got them in. That's a good gun. Just touch the trigger, the beam comes on, and you put the red dot where you want the bullet to go. You can't miss. Anything else? Phased plasma rifle in the 40-watt range. Hey, just what you see, pal. The Uzi 9mm. You know your weapons, buddy. Any one of these is ideal for home defense. So, uh, what shall it be? All. 
So we go immediately from Arnold's arrival to the arrival of Kyle Reese. And at this point, you know, you got these two guys. And if you haven't seen the movie before, you kind of don't know which one's good and which one's bad. They both kind of got like this urge to know what year it is and kind of this 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 quest to, you know, acquire supplies. And then we kind of get this this sequence of, you know, Arnold shopping for guns, Kyle sawing off his shotgun. They're just walking the streets or driving the streets of Los Angeles. And then we're introduced to Sarah Connor. Now, Sarah Connor is the main conduit that kind of brings this this nucleus together. Played by Linda Hamilton, but possibly could have been played by Patricia Arquette, Jennifer Jason Leigh, who were also kind of in contention. But, you know, it works pretty well for, for, for Linda Hamilton. She's a kind of a struggling waitress of sorts. Kind of, they, they did something that I thought, they, and they did this very well in Spider-Man 2, where they kind of show Sarah Connor's like worst day ever. Yeah. And she's there kind of, you know, just fumbling about her job. She's late. She she's puts like, the ice cream in oh, her apron. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the guy tells tells the kid, I should give you the tip, kid. Like, she's just having a worst day. And, and her coworker says, think about it in, in 100 years, who's going to care? Right. So she's kind of a bit of bit of a nobody and kind of doesn't have like that path in, into life. And then we're kind of given the plot of, of Arnold, who's now hunting down the Sarah Connors. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this or ever thought this, but when he pulls up to the first Sarah Connors house and it's a shot of the street and he runs over that toy semi truck. Yeah, that's the end of the movie. Yeah. Like when it's this semi that he ends up driving that they end up blowing up. So I thought that I think that's a whether that's intentional foreshadow or if that's just what I've always thought. I think that's a nice visual image there. Mm -hmm. Then he walks up to the walks up to this house, knocks on the door, said Akana. Yes. Oh, one one shot on cable TV, about 10 shots in the in the actual version of the movie. So now Sarah catches wind that someone got killed named Sarah Connor and. It's kind of just a coincidence at first, but then when uh, the second one is killed later on, she's really scared. Yeah. Really terrified, thinking like, oh boy, like... My name is Sarah Connor. My name is Sarah Connor. They're coming after me. The police start freaking out at at this point now, played by Paul Winfield and Lance Henriksen, uh, kind of calling it the same same name killer, thinking of what the press will will do, do to this. So they're trying to find Sarah Connor. Meanwhile, while... Arnold, the Terminator, and Kyle Reese are trying to get to her. And at this point, it's just a quest of who's going to get there first. Oh, yeah. So I love when we sort of have all three entities coming into for the first time. I think it's called Tech Noir. Tech Noir. Is the club, which literally has picnic tables that they're sitting at. (laughs) Clubs, I guess, in 1985 weren't so hot. Yeah. Um, they didn't get good till we got to Basic Instinct, right? Yep. The, the only thing, <laughs> Paul the only thing missing from this club is Michael Douglas in a sweater. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they all meet in this club, and right away we set, I think, what's a pretty common theme the movie's going to hold to, and that's you might be able to stop the Terminator, but you can't defeat the Terminator. Mm-hmm. And even the first time watching this movie, I thought. Man, if guns don't work and they don't have the technology that Reese speaks about to do anything with it, like like in the future he had the technology, but in 1984 they don't. Mm-hmm. How are you going to defeat this thing? Exactly. You know, I mean, and, and there's lots of instances where they try and fail tragically, but basically 
what Kyle is only able to offer Hamilton for pretty much the entire film mm-hmm. is a chance to get away, like a, a some time. Almost like <clears throat> you're keeping the boogeyman at bay. And if you stay, you know, a few paces ahead of it, you'll be okay. But how long can you keep that up? Well, and to that, to the idea of time, isn't that what his whole character is in the whole film? Yes. I think that's one of the parts of this movie that is sort of missed. Kyle Reese shows up to protect her by buying her time, which is exactly what he's done. Mm -hmm. He's bought time for the resistance, although he doesn't know it, through his own demise. Yep. It's pretty clever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One thought that came up in my mind while watching it this time, and I can't believe I've never thought of this before. So... The Terminator and Kyle Reese come back, and it's a one-way trip. Nothing right. goes with them. There's no way to get back. Right. This isn't the movie, but in what crazy scenario, he kills Reese, kills Sarah Connor. Does this Terminator just walk the Earth now until it like dies? Does he just kill at will, or is because his mission's finished? He just he's just there. I thought that was really thought-provoking, and I, I was kind of thinking that in a variety of different ways of. What does this thing do if its mission's complete? That's a great question. Maybe that's a Terminator sequel we we could get one of these days. Yeah. A what if scenario Terminator sequel. Well, there's another one coming, number six. Mm-hmm. There's one coming. So this is an interesting story. I, I think one of the the highlights of this film is its is its screenplay and kind of the way time travel works. To an extent. It does get a little dicey there, like once you know, they make love and obviously he's the father. And then what what comes first, the chicken or the egg? You know what I mean? Like, when does it begin and when does it end? I think the story is really tight. And it actually started from a dream that Cameron had about a cyborg emerging from an explosion. Very similar to that scene when the endoskeleton comes out of the burned uh, semi-truck. Yeah. So he had that dream. He had that vision. He's like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and do this robot story. And he was a nobody at that point, too. He had really only done you're gonna laugh piranha 2 the spawning <laughs> it's terrible it's terrible <clears throat> piranha 1's nothing to write home about but piranha 2 my god so he teamed up with this producer gail ann hurd who he ended up marrying he ended up marrying linda hamilton as well <laughs> um he well, and then hurt locker gal too Catherine bigelow there you go <clears throat> he sold this uh, screenplay for one dollar with the conditions that I'll sell it to you for a dollar, but I would like to direct this movie if at all possible. So that was kind of the deal in place. And there was kind of a bit of a holdup because he wanted Arnold to be in this movie to an extent, Kyle Reese, Terminator, whatever. But they had to wait for Arnold because Arnold was doing Conan the Destroyer. Yeah. And so they had to wait for him to finish. In the meantime, you're going to love this. In the meantime, he wrote another screenplay Rambo First Blood Part 2 that they Mm -hmm. made a year later. And this is actually where he had the initial meetings with David Geiler and Walter Hill about aliens. How about that? So he started laying the groundwork for that because they did like his screenplay. The movie wasn't done yet. They liked the idea. They were like, this guy's got got something. So while they're waiting for Arnold, they're kinda he's kind of lighting all these other fires here, and then they get back to do to do this movie here. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So from Tech Noir, um, you know, we get the line that has shown up in all the rest of the Terminator films, come with me if you want to live. Mm-hmm. So kind of that, like that savior saying, your only chance is to, to come with me. Regardless of how insane this scenario is and the things I'm about to tell you about the future and the robots and Judgment Day and this and that, 
I'm your best chance to get through this. So then Arnold goes through the flames and that's where his eyebrows are. That's talk about the attention to detail that they had that when he jumps through the flames, you know, you might have any other action hero come through unscathed, but he comes through with no eyebrows, but with hair, but with hair, but the no eyebrows adds like creepy. It adds that creepiness factor. And then from there, Arnold's trying to, to locate them. They're holed up in a, in a parking garage and we learned some of the Terminator's abilities, which is voice manipulation. Right. He uses it as the cop to kind of hone in on where they're at. He uses it later. Uh, as the mother. As, as the mother to kind of locate where they're at. That's, that's, a, pretty good, that's a pretty good little uh, uh, mechanism that he, he's got built into him. So I think this is where the movie has two paths for me. I think all the stuff that you just said I agree with in total. Mm-hmm. But in Kyle Reese's brief... And harried explanation of the future, you can start to see some cracks in the facade of the Cyberdyne Skynet mythos. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to say that it gets ironed out as the series progresses, but frankly, it gets worse. And I think this to me is where I start to, for about 30 minutes in this film, become kind of disinterested in it about until the end of the sequence at the police station i'm kind of disinterested listen and understand that terminator is out there it can't be bargained with it can't be reasoned with it doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear and it absolutely will not stop ever until you are dead so again, this this cask, this series is all about the corporation from hell. And the corporation at play here is Cyberdyne and eventually Skynet. Yeah. Now Skynet isn't like directly mentioned in this film. Uh not not till the second one. But uh Reese does refer to it in the car as like You're gonna love this. I, I made a little note here about this is gonna be a point of contention for Matt because what Skynet essentially is, is an AI system that becomes self-aware, sentient, and to destroy the world where there's nothing left. Those are like two things that you absolutely can't stand. Might be my two least favorite things in all of film. The bad guy that shows up to take over the world after they've destroyed it, and computers trying to claim sentience so that they can get to a more human state, which... If you've heard the other podcasts, you know my whole little spiel on that. And that's why at this point in the film, it's a really tough... I think I timed it out. I think it's 27 and a half minutes for me where mm-hmm. it's a tough watch for me. Yeah. It's doing everything that you hate about science fiction. Yeah. The AI, the destroying the world. So I'll give you a little backstory on kind of what Reese tells Sarah Connor. And at this point, she's like, are you going to believe this crazy person? I don't know if I would believe a crazy person telling me he's from the future. And I'm I'm gonna birth the 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 future savior of the human resistance. Right. Yeah, I'd have a hard time believing that one too. Especially when you're not even in a relationship currently. Yeah, this is just some guy that kidnapped you out of Technoir. Yeah. <laughs> Technoir. <laughs> so under John Connor, her Sarah Connor's future son, uh he uh mounts a human resistance to turn the tide against the war against the machines at Los Angeles twenty twenty nine. And eventually, uh, they destroyed uh, Skynet's defense grid. In the last-ditch effort, Skynet was like, well, this is our only chance. We have to stop Connor from ever being born. So that's where they sent Arnold the Terminator. 
the T800 uh, model back uh, in time to 1984 to kill it before it even begins. Yeah. Uh, uh, Connor sends his his own operative Reese uh, to save Sarah. Uh, the Terminator doesn't succeed in this. Reese ends up impregnating. We'll get into that, and uh, the Terminator is destroyed in a hydraulic press. So. Cyberdyne through the years does eventually become this tech giant empire and we see more of this in the sequel Miles Dyson and you know they've saved the Terminator arm and the microprocessor that they don't know what to do with it yet but what it becomes is Skynet now Skynet in Terminator lore is an AI system built by Cyberdyne and it's a defense network computer hooked into everything trusted to run it all so the military, the industry, internet, etc. Skynet saw all humans as threats, not just the ones on, on their side, but all sides, and decided that and decided their fate in a microsecond. They just started launching nukes all over the all over the world. And this happens in Terminator 3, which I want to do a whole kind of like we did with Alien, kind of the series past this film. Because you're right, it gets it gets freaking insane as the series progresses. Well, it gets freaking insane because it's a very limited introduction into what's going to be the basis for the this movie, go, the series going forward in Terminator 1. Yep. And then when you add time travel to it and the butterfly effect and who's really the father of John Connor, JC, right? Yep. Jesus Christ, John mm-hmm. Connor. Um, and the whole Kyle Reese, if he doesn't father John with Sarah... We still get John, mm-hmm. but it's a different version of John. Like, it just becomes a jumbled mess. And, and, like, what you're saying right now and the birth of Cyberdyne is simple compared to where this franchise goes. And like I said, we'll, like or you said, we'll get to the other um, sequels to follow this. But, Jesse, I don't know, man. The thing, um, the thing that cracks me up the most is... Terminators 1, 2, and 3 are all concerned with preventing Judgment Day. Yeah. Preventing this nuclear apocalypse. All three movies essentially do the same thing. Right. They succeed, but they don't. Right. They succeed in the second one, but they don't. They succeed. It, it, like, they just, like, prevent it. And that, that that's kind of BS for me. That's kind of like... Well, just let the war happen then if it's going to happen no matter what. You know what I mean? Yes. Why go through all this trouble of trying to destroy these buildings and hydraulic press the Terminator, kill Sarah Connor? Like, if it doesn't matter, it's going to happen no matter what. Like, that's the human path. Again, the butterfly effect. Uh, that's my biggest issue with Terminator in general. Maybe not necessarily this film so much, but it's overarching story. So Reese has landed on heavy at this point, and he's just going off about the war of the machines, and they became self-aware, and this and that, and Matt's about to, ready to just like jump off a building at this point. Just stop. Um, and then it gets worse for me, because then we go to the police station. Exactly, right? yeah. So there's a couple things happening anyway, mm-hmm. getting away from the Terminator, and a pretty cool chase mm-hmm. sequence. I think that's the motorcycle. Is that the motorcycle one? No, that's he's in the cop car still. That's the cop car one, right? That's okay. when he, he smashes into it, and he just he walks away. Pretty awesome chase sequence. And Reese is sort of talked off the ledge by Sarah. Don't, don't you? And he kind of acquiesces and mm-hmm. then gets arrested. And then we go off into the police station. And what does work is Paul Winfield telling Linda Hamilton, just lay here. You're safe. There's 50 cops in this building. 
you're safe. And she kind of buys in enough to let herself fall asleep. But there's another part that precedes that, which is this ridiculous sequence with Kyle Reese on the night he's arrested, being questioned by the police department's psychoanalyst regarding his um, lunacy, I guess. Yeah. And that that whole bit is just such bullshit. <laughs> it's a waste of time. Like that whole, you know, the Terminator's coming. And the thing that, like, where you have questions about this, the part that troubles me for Sarah Connor is you just watched your your boyfriend, your savior, whatever this guy, this stranger shoot this thing 10 times and it's still trucking on like nothing Mm -hmm. at some point walks like a duck and quacks like a duck yeah it's here to kill you exactly that's a mean duck yep and she just she and she's even bought in at that point Mm -hmm. but i'd like to say if i was in that situation i'd try to find any way out of what i'd (coughs) assured myself of but it doesn't play in the movie and like i told you that 30 minutes up until the cop station sequence ends where, once again, Reese and Kyle Reese and Sarah Connor barely get away, mm-hmm. just ahead of the bad guy. Mm-hmm. That is a really forgettable 25 minutes of film for me. <laughs> yeah. Prior to Arnold's arrival at the, at the police station, he's broken into, uh, or he's broken into or paying for an apartment. Some cheap apartment somewhere. To go repair himself because he, he crashed right into this wall and now he's all busted, his arms all messed up and his eyes like falling out. Again, the scenes that are cut cut out of cable. I got to talk about, as much as the police station scene bothers you, I got to talk about the, the film's most egregious crime here. Well, I think we might be in agreement on this too, but go, maybe not most egregious, but I think I know where you're going. This prosthetic, yep. and as good as the future scenes are, yep. and as great as that endoskeleton looks at the end of the film, I'm with you. This prosthetic is head, garbage. this is one of the worst practical effects in all of film. Yes, thank you. I don't know why they didn't just put like a little red light in Arnold's eye, and he could just kind of we see it from the side, like they do show it. Yeah, like profiled from the opposite side, and him working on the other right. I agree. When they showed that thing, and it's like it's not like it's lit in shadow; it's like full like bathroom light on his. Yep. On this face. Oh my, that's bad. It is bad. And it's aged bad too. Yes. It probably looked bad in 1984 as well. It did. I know they wanted to show the eye and the eye retracting and that's a cool visual image, but Jesus Christ, this this head is like so atrocious. It's almost like it's melting under the light. The texture's off, the color's off. You'd like to think it's sweat, but it actually is melting. Um, And it doesn't move naturally either. Mm -hmm. I don't know why they didn't just go profile Watch him with the scalpel, fidgeting with his eye. We can get a little trickle of blood down the front of his nose. And we just stay tight on Arnold's real face because yeah. his nose will hide yeah. the other part of the eye that we can't see. And then have him drop it in the sink. Yeah. And then put on the sh- put on the gargoyles. We're good. But yeah, that scene is, I'd like to say, <laughs> well, they didn't, have the, they didn't have the technology back then. But yeah, no. Yeah, it's just... That's pretty bad. And the bad thing about that puppet, too, he shows up at least two or three more times. Yep. Again, when, like, he's thumbing through the phone book and the flies are landing on him, they show it again, like, up close, and it it does not work for me. And then again, at the end, in the semi-truck. Yeah. And I'm like, why do they keep showing this puppet just... Use Arnold. Just use Arnold with, like a like, a prosthetic here. Or just have him with the shades on. Like, yeah, that's that's... The film's most egregious crime to me. Because the hand part, 
that mm-hmm. precedes that yeah. is actually pretty well done. Mm-hmm. The, the part where he cuts his wrist and he's getting the the finger yeah. fingers to work again, mm-hmm. like that part's actually okay. Yeah. To go from that to this bad makeup job of the face that's a puppet or whatever it is, yeah, yeah Jesse, um, that's I, kind of unforgivable. I know Cameron likes to tout the technology and the effects. Oh, you mean like in Avatar where he <laughs> yeah. talks, still talks about it? Yeah. But they get better, like the Alien Queen's a good effect, and Terminator 2, the liquid, it gets better. But like here, like, this is probably something the less you see would have been better. So it's funny you brought that up, because when, when I was rewatching this this time, hmm. it seemed like to me at about the time the police station sequence ends is about the time the really great part in that movie takes off for me. Yeah. And it's sort of like James Cameron... Needs a little bit of trial and error to figure it out, which is fair because this is his first film, essentially. His first, like, decent big film, yeah. And you can see it's the 57-minute mark in the movie is where that movie changes for me and Cameron kind of gets his feet underneath him. And with the exception of a couple more puppet moments with Arnold, that movie really, really gets its way yeah, and gets last, some momentum. That last third act is really good. Terrific, yeah. So Arnold goes from this derelict apartment to the police station, and I just want to say, Arnold goes on an absolute rampage. Yeah. He kills like 25 cops in this in this thing. He just... And again, this is the turn. It's not... He's not schizophrenic. He's not mentally ill. He's a cyborg with a mission. Yeah. And his missions kill Sarah Connor. Whatever gets in your way, take it out. And what we forgot to mention the scene where he goes to the apartment uh, of Sarah Connor and her roommate and the boyfriend are there, and I always crack up. And you know she's making like the post-sex like sandwich fiesta. Like she's got like she's making a shit ton of food, and the boyfriend's just getting pummeled to death yeah. in in the thing, and she's like drumming on all the stuff with her headphones. Yeah, on. and then yeah she comes, and then he's going after her. So they're just in the way of Arnold's path. Arnold's like. Arnold's like Jaws. Arnold doesn't have any, like, the, the motive other than Sarah, but, like, he's on a swimming path. Well, remember in that scene where he kills her boyfriend, an interesting sort of sad twist of fate for Sarah mm-hmm. is the answering machine goes off because someone calls and he realizes that he didn't kill Sarah Connor. Mm-hmm. He thinks the roommate is her. And if the damn answering machine doesn't go off, and he doesn't look and find Sarah's ID, mm-hmm. then he never continues her pursuit at Tech Noir. Yeah. Is that where he... Does he get the address book from yeah. there as well? Yep. Yeah. That's where. Yeah. Sad twist of fate. Yeah, you're right. Damn answering machines. But interesting that it's done through technology. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably James Cameron mm-hmm. being a little smarter than he was uh, given credit yeah, for. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So after this horrific police station massacre, they're all dead except for Kyle and Sarah. They take off, you know, they're kind of holing up under like some type of like overpass. And she's like, tell, tell me about your, your, your future, Reese, or your world. And you're right. It, it gets into maybe the, maybe the, one of the most interesting moments of the film, them trying to ta- systematically take out these machines, but man, does it have a heavy toll on them. Mm-hmm. I mean, he comes back to their resistance base, just exhausted, physically burnt, spent, all of that. And, and for what, you know, the dogs have to sniff them so they know that they're authentic. You know, there's kids there. They're eating, you're, they're eating scraps. And you're right, this Terminator shows up and just mows them down. Yeah. So we, we smash cut from that in a beautiful fade-in of actually the, Sarah's burning photograph mm-hmm. that Reese 
we find out this is actually how he got enamored with Sarah was this image and it's burning in his nightmarish fire right into her face sleeping in his arms that's actually a, a really good shot and a really good dissolve into into the two yeah and it's a great moment in the film because now we're starting to grow the Reese and Sarah relationship and it has an outcome that's really important like he makes that admission I fell in love with you then, Sarah. Mm-hmm. And she realizes, well, maybe this is my guy. Mm-hmm. And then we get, for James Cameron, I think a pretty well shot and well done love scene. Mm-hmm. And I think it's handled masterfully well. And we recognize the gratuitousness is not even something you have to worry about because you realize this is the beginning mm-hmm. of the resistance, this moment. One thing I always remembered about watching it on cable was was this scene because i'm an adolescent boy i'm, I'm growing sure. up so this scene i really remember this scene had all the bits taken out but i remember that scene of their hands clutched together and then at the end of the scene they like release they release mm-hmm. very beautifully actually now looking back in, in my adulthood now yeah in between all this <coughs> they're trying to make a defense mechanism. They have no weapons. They're just kind of... Plastique. Let's make plastique. Plastique. Yeah, they're going to make these pipe bombs out of... Mothballs, pneumo- taro syrup, pneumonia. and pneumonia. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so mm-hmm. there you go. He's, he's a, like a, a, a terrorist, practically, yeah. at this point. But they're making that. In the meantime, Arnold is taking the phone book. He's like, oh, she lives... Her mother lives here. I'm going to go there. Kills the mother. Is pretending to be the mother. Calls her. Honey, tell me where you are. I gotta know where you're at. Oh, I'm, I'm, mom, I'm not, sp- I'm not supposed to tell you where I'm at. And then he like coaxes it out of her, and he says, "Oh, we're at this motel. I'll give you the number." And then and I love that shot of Arnold in there, and he's like, "I love you, mom. I love you too, sweetheart." And you, you kind of see his, he's doing the actions. Like, What's great about that too is Cameron set that up earlier with yep. him stealing the voice of the cop, mm-hmm. so it didn't just come out of blue. Exactly. I thought that was a, a good setup and payoff, and it made sense. Mm-hmm. You know, she's just calling her mom, letting her mom know she's okay, mm-hmm. things are fine, and then yeah, in that moment of weakness, which to most of our mothers would probably make the same bad decision, yeah, she gives away their location. Mm-hmm. And how would how would you know? You wouldn't. You wouldn't. Yeah. So that's why that's such a great. You know what also is really good in that scene too is when we go to Arnold taking the phone call Mm -hmm. in the mother's cabin, Mm -hmm. the wreckage in that place. And we don't actually even see Sarah's mother. The door's blown out. Holes in the TV. Everything's just shot to hell. Yep. There's nothing left of any survivor in there. Mm -hmm. I think that's really well done because they're having this kind of loving, peaceful conversation Mm -hmm. juxtaposed against these images of just wreckage and violence. Exactly. That certainly has befallen Sarah's mother as well. Mm Mm-hmm. So we go from that to Arnold on his path, his path back to Sarah. Now he knows where he's at. We have time for that, that love scene where, you know, Reese confesses like, I didn't volunteer for, or I didn't, wasn't selected for this. I volunteered for it. I've been in love with you, Sarah, this and that. And then they make love They're They, you know, they, they, they do the deed. And then Arnold shows up again, just ready to like blow wreckage. And now they're on the chase motorcycle against this truck. Yeah. And it's it's done very well. You know, they're unloading these pipe bombs. And every time I watch it, I'm just like, man, if Reese would have just like waited like a millisecond or something to throw this pipe. Because he like just misses him like five or six times. But then Reese gets the fatal blow. He gets like a bullet to the chest. And, you know, Sarah's, you know, 
running this ship now. She's driving the car. They get in an accident, and then that semi hits Arnold, and in such in such a great moment of reveal where you know Arnold's like kind of getting up from the motorcycle accident, gets up and looks looks to the right, and you see the red eye for like a second, and then he's hit by this boom by this semi. I'm a friend of Sarah Connor. I was told that she's here. Could I see her, please? No, can't see her. She's making a statement. Where is she? Look, it may take a while. I want to wait. There's a bench over there. So now Arnold's in the semi. Uh, Sarah's got Reese under her shoulder. And in my opinion, we're in full slasher territory at this time. This is the boogeyman chasing after the final girl. Well, to further that same idea, which is absolutely right, Mm. we're also getting the face behind the mask that's always the quintessential moment in all these slasher horror movies. Like Jason reveals the mask and we see, oh my God, he's horrible. Mm -hmm. Well, we take away Terminator's skin and we get this metal that's with this crazy eye and this bloodstream and we get the same moment. Um, And so I guess that's why those people at Smith's thought this movie should be classified. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that stalking element, this thing that will not stop until, until the deed is done. So they, they get a one-up on the Terminator. They throw a pipe bomb in, in, in the pipe of the this gas tanker. It explodes. He blows up. And kind of, again, you know, drawing a lot of parallels to these these boogeymen. In Halloween 2, Michael Myers walks out of this, this burned hospital and just kind of slumps over in, like, this fiery inferno. The Terminator does the same thing. Yeah. He falls in, and he's burning, and the skin's melting off. And you kind of think this is it. Reese and Sarah have this embrace you think the movie's gonna end but uh out of this fiery wreckage comes again like the 80s were so badass because you got these iconic looking figures in film the the terminator endoskeleton you know whether you've seen a terminator movie or not if you've seen a picture of that you know what it's from oh yeah the red eyes with the teeth the, the teeth and this silver dome and this skeletal cybotic frame you know what that's from Mm -hmm. what a cool what a cool decade for effects certainly and one of the men at the at the helm of this was stan winston this was kind of like his first big thing goes on to make the predator the dinosaurs for jurassic park like he 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 actually before he died too he actually designed the suit for the first iron man movie how about that i didn't know that exactly so the guy is he's a legend um, he's made, made made all these things. So now we get the chase into this robotics manufacturing facility, like assembly line kind of a thing. It could have been even like a, like a candy assembly line for all we know. But you have all these machines and it's interesting. We kind of get an interesting use of effects here. We get close-ups of this torso moving forward or the feet. Yeah with stop motion animation mm-hmm. which you know you know it's kind of kind of in clash of the titans territory at this point and this might have been maybe one of the last movies to maybe evoke this effect of stop motion animation yeah and unfortunately it hasn't aged well either mm-hmm. the terminator for as great as it looks when it's just tied on and it doesn't have to move and you can just see the ex- endoskeleton mm-hmm. it's really great mm-hmm. but when it's chasing Kyle and Sarah through the hallway and they pull that door right before he's able to get to him. Yeah. Gosh, man, it really does look like someone just took a really nice marker to the celluloid and had a field day with it. It just had, it has not aged well. There's a, there was an effect they employed. So this is 84 and 85. 
they developed this new technique called go motion. So it was still stop motion animation, but they the way they rotoscoped the image, it looked less clay. Yeah. Um, and it worked a little bit. I don't know if you've ever seen. I love this movie actually, Dragon Slayer. Oh, of course. Yeah, that was one of the first movies to um, use that technique. So it it doesn't have such a like a clay. It doesn't look like Jason and the Argonauts, so to speak. Yeah. So you're right. The, this effect hasn't aged well, but the upper tour this this looks great. So. It's hunting them down. Reese turns on all the machines. That way it can't track them, but it does find them. And then in a last-ditch effort, Reese puts a pipe bomb in, right in the middle of the torso, blows it up, kind of blows himself up too, but he's he's kind of already dead Just at this point. Dead, yeah. What I love about this point is we've seen several attempts to kill the Terminator and none of them have worked. Mm-hmm. And as an audience member sitting there thinking like, man, what are they going to... You can't burn it. You can't... Because this thing gets a pipe bomb in its abdomen... It blows it to hell. Can't hit it with the semi-truck. Can't run it over. And it's still trucking on after Sarah Connor. And by now, it's even worse because she has that injured leg mm-hmm. in the same explosion. Yeah. So essentially, we end up on kind of like a conveyor belt. Mm-hmm. And a torso. And this thing is still after her. Again, the mission. And don't forget this also. He takes essentially a bat mm-hmm. to the Terminator mm-hmm. and gives him four or five good whacks upside the head. Yep. Can't even knock its head off. Exactly. Can't decapitate it. Can't burn it. Can't <coughs> blow it up. What do you do? How are you going to stop this thing? Exactly. You almost think, well, you know what? At least if it's just a torso, I can handle a torso. I could run away from that. I can just sort of find a way to contain a torso, some regard, right? And and you're almost thinking like, well, maybe just can't defeat this thing. But we get to what I think is a really brilliant piece of writing from Cameron. And that's, I have an idea how we're going to kill this thing. And it's actually really smart because it involves machines which kyle sets up i don't know five minutes for by going into this factory yeah and he's turning on all these machines he said this will provide us cover Mm -hmm. which i don't think really works yeah but it's the solution to our problem which Mm -hmm. is the t800 Mm -hmm. and its demise go ahead Mm -hmm. and have it so as she goes through this hydraulic press she emerges on one side before the terminator while he's right in the middle closes the cage this this and again again the relentlessness He's still trying to get her. He's trying to just get a piece of her. Sarah Connor is the final. She's the Laurie Strode of this film now. Yeah. yeah. This boogeyman. She turns it. Great line too. You're terminated, terminated fucker. fucker. Yeah. Turns this thing on. Smashes this thing. And again, probably the only way you could have killed it. You just have to totally just disembowel every piece of it. And in a real genius special effect. I learned this maybe on one of the DVD or commentary or something. So when it's all smashed there and the and the red eyes fading out, super cheap. They use tin foil, a little red light, and cigarette smoke to make that effect. Oh wow! Yeah, How talk about, about cheap on a budget, like shoestring filmmaker. Cool. Like that's a, that's a cool little effect. So now this thing's all smashed up. Sarah gets in the stretcher to go repair herself. Reese is in a body bag. He's done. And then we get um, the nice little epilogue. Uh, of her kind of, at this point, Sarah's in full belief of the future and what the future's going to hold. But I guess maybe doesn't really know her place in that yet until the sun's born. So she's just driving eventually to Mexico. Stops at this gas station and gets this photograph by this little boy. And he wants money for it. And it's the photograph that Reese ends up having later in the future. And this photograph shows up later throughout the franchise. And then I think in a really great line too, um, 
He says, there's a storm's coming. And she says, yes, there is a storm coming. Mm-hmm. And we kind of get her driving off in the distance. The storm's coming. But this storm is this eventual like future mm-hmm. that still needs to kind of be prevented. Yeah. And I think that's why I really like this first movie is it's, it's complex without being complex, if that makes sense to you. And it does. Um, it's a real simple story of a Terminator trying to kill this girl and a guy trying to protect her. We don't get into the logistics of Judgment Day and trying to prevent these companies from making these things. It's a real, it's just a cat and mouse chase. Again, the slasher film. And then in something I told you earlier, there's a deleted scene that got taken out of that whole end this factory sh- bit. Yeah, this is shocking. So talking about the evil corporation, we set up Cyberdyne, we set up the eventual Skynet, and what this company is going to eventually create close to the end of the world, Judgment Day. That factory that they're in, there's a deleted scene where they're loading her in the stretcher. The ambulance drives away, pulls back, and the name on the side of this factory is Cyberdyne. So the entire finale of this film took place in the company that's going to employ the beginning of Judgment Day. They take the Terminator pieces, use that tech to create Skynet. And I don't know why that ended up on the cutting room floor. Me either. Like, that's that's a great scene. It's a little bit. It's not like it's a 10-minute scene. It's 30 seconds. Especially because Reese has already set up Cyberdyne by calling it that name in the film. Mm-hmm. Why not go ahead and tease the audience out with, oh, my God, look, this is where they got the tech from. Yeah. And now we're alluding to something that a sequel could employ. That I saw that and I was like, why? Oops, huge mistake. So last week we talked about with Alien... The franchise passed that first film and it's interesting because that franchise alien and terminator they kind of almost took a very similar trajectory i agree whereas the first one was like a good starter steeped in horror you could almost call them sci-fi horror i would i'd categorize them as that actually okay and then that second film elevated it to another level a bit more action more action more uh uh, you know, putting the story, but still good sequels. Like those two sequels are actually, those are some of the best. Well, you could make the case. Both of those are better than the originals. Yeah. And then from there, mm. it just falls off the train. This like, yeah. So step. let's talk about that a little bit. So, you know, T2, Cameron comes back uh, with his effects arsenal, gives us the T1000 this time, yeah. the liquid metal. That's a cool villain too. Mm-hmm. But now they're fully employed with trying to stop Judgment Day. And, at this point, you know, they, they run to Miles Dyson. They find out they kept the arm and the, the chip and, and all that. That's a great sequel. That's it's another great villain. It's Arnold playing the hero, which he plays well. I like him better as a villain, but he plays that part well. Mm-hmm. Almost a father figure to the John Connor. Um, because Mother's, she's kind of gone off the rails at that point. Yep. She's so trying to prevent Judgment Day that she's ended up in the loony bin. Yep. With the same freaking psychiatrist from the first movie. Yep. Who we can't stand. Yep. Um, yeah, that's a solid sequel. It's The effects still hold up pretty well. They had more money to play with. The story's still really good. They prevented Judgment Day. Maybe the series should have ended at this point here. Mm-hmm. But then from there, we go to Terminator 3, directed by Jonathan Mastow. I don't even know who that is. I who can't is even, that? I can't yeah. even tell you another movie he made. Nick Stahl as John Connor, Claire Danes. And at this point, and then there's the female antagonist this time. And now they're trying to prevent Judgment Day again. But then the lesson they learned at the end of the movie was the goal was never to prevent Judgment Day. 
It was to survive Judgment Day, right. which at that point it's like a, a middle finger to the fans, the this, the that, and yeah, I don't want any part of trying to prevent this thing anymore. Because why? Right, you have to make a decision at some point to get past Judgment Day and continue the story to what we haven't seen because we've had a full plate of all the events prior to Judgment Day in 15 different iterations. Yeah, Not really, a but... A full plate of a buffet. Right, so <laughs> move on and let's see exactly how the Resistance really tackles this. And is it in the fourth one? Yeah, we so, get Christian Bale as John Connor? Yeah, so I, I, I gotta be honest with you. I actually... I like the idea of this movie. We've spent three movies with cat and mouse chases, Terminators in present time trying to stop the inevitable future. And in this movie, we finally get... The war, the machines versus the resistance. So there's actually pieces of this film that I do like. They try to shoehorn too much Terminator and reverse medicine and and, 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 and new stuff into it. But you get a younger Kyle Reese played by Anton Yelchin in, in, in the movie. And I think Bell, aside from him yelling literally in every scene... And that movie's probably more notorious for his on-set blow-up of the cinematographer than anything. Oh, yeah. What we're through we're, we're through professionally, man. We have to do that sound someday. Exactly. But I like the idea of seeing the war because it's been talked about to death at this point. I like that part, but the movie execution-wise, man, it, it's it's not there. Okay, so I think that's the key word what you just said for me. What's a real simple idea that was delivered in a high concept way? This movie struggles with execution. Mm-hmm. It struggles with the execution in the first film. When it comes to some of the techniques that are used, I think two is pretty flawless. Mm-hmm. The second movie is pretty flawless. But then we get to a real simple idea, which was these machines want to ensure their stability so they make sure they wipe out mankind. Mm-hmm. And they're better equipped for survival than we are, mostly because, here it is, <coughs> they haven't claimed full sentience, they don't have empathy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's all right. But that's for something I don't like. That's all right. But the execution mm-hmm. going forward from the television show to five films and the television show now to what's going to be the sixth movie coming out, yeah. Dark Days, I think it's called. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, well, and, but, but, and then another thing in Salvation, they fall into the trap that the other movies fell into, which was let's stop Skynet from sending these Terminators back to kill my mother. Well, then eventually he saves Kyle Reese for the eventual thing that he's got to send him back no matter... You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, you're just... You're we're, just in, we're in this endless loophole of... Retelling the story you just got done telling. Exactly. And you didn't even mention the most egregious crime to this entire franchise, which is Terminator Genesis. Or Genesis or whatever. Yeah. This is one of the ten worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. This movie is essentially going back and redoing the entire series with... Uh, Skynet sending back John, I don't even, John Connor as a Terminator and them trying, I'm getting sick just talking about it. Like, Mm -hmm. that's a bad movie. Like, that's the only thing you can call it that. So hopefully whatever's on the horizon, whatever it's called, hopefully that has a little something to it that could maybe propel this franchise and maybe back to its better days versus its dark days. And there's there's quite a lot of bit of that. I think that's a great point in this podcast then to go to our ratings yeah so remember for those of you that have been through this and for those of you that haven't it's a five-star rating system essentially bad movie is rot gut sort of in reference to the, the bourbon theme or liquor theme that we use second would be well 
uh, some mostly bad, but a few moments. Get to call, which is like average, maybe a little better than average. Then you have your single barrel, and then you have your top shelf. So that being said, Jesse, I'll pose it to you first. Where does Terminator fit in your ranking system? Sure, sure. Um, you know, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of with you that I think this franchise, the sequel really overshadows this movie, especially. And maybe that's just a money thing, but I still really do like this first Terminator. Apart from the time travel stuff getting a little convoluted, Arnold as the antagonist, this great white shark that will not stop until his missions come, that element works really well. And then Sarah Connor at the end of this actually takes the movie by the horns. And now we get one of these, you know, these great female, last week we had Ripley, Ellen Ripley. Now we're getting the emergence, this call to action of a Sarah Connor. She's kind of knows her place and how she's going to kind of have to race her son in this world where the world's going to end in 1997, whatever. I really do like this movie. I like some of the effects. Again, Puppet Arnold, get the hell out of this movie. Stop motion. It hasn't aged well. The future scenes are great. This story is, I think, really well done. The, to me, this is a single barrel film. Uh, it's, uh, I think, an, another important science fiction landmark and another great relic from the 1980s that, uh, you know, you, you hear the Terminator and you associate that with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think that's a legacy into it of itself, a legacy helped by, you know, the films after it and Arnold's uh, Hollywood star power. But th again, this was the beginning of Cameron's career, Arnold's star power. So I think it holds a pretty important place in film history and it's it's a single barrel film to me. I like the horror element. I I think more I think science fiction works really well when they mix it with that genre. Alien, the thing, the fly, you know, films like that. I think that genre those two subgenres play well together. So single barrel rating for me. Okay, for me it's a really great idea <clears throat> that we hadn't seen before. We'd seen time travel before. We hadn't seen this version of time travel before. And the movie is filled with promise. Mm -hmm. From what's going to be a really good career at times for Arnold to Linda Hamilton certainly has her place in Hollywood, whether it be Beauty and the Beast or other iterations of this movie, which Beauty. a lot of people love that show. Beauty. Go back and look at the ratings for that. I forgot about that. I just show. thought, I'm like, wow, yeah. Like, and that was like on for seven years With or Ron something. Ron Perlman, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I've never ventured into it myself, but I read a little bit and it's well liked. Yeah. Uh, obviously, James Cameron is going to have his moments of greatness. Uh, yeah, the guy literally has the two highest grossing movies of all time. And right. they're, they're for the most part, they're original ideas. They're not based on, you know, books or sequels or anything. So that's impressive, to say the least. But to that, one of his bigger problems was not doing Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. And I think that's sort of a metaphor for this film. Mm -hmm. It's filled with promise about what could have been that doesn't ever really deliver. The yeah. second movie for me is much better than mm -hmm. the first film. The special effects were tough, Jesse. Yeah. This, I'm not going to lie, and yeah. the audience may not want to hear this from me. It was really tough to sit through and grind through two hours of this movie again mm -hmm. for me. It there was a few moments, yeah. but I found myself, especially for that 25-minute period that I've already talked about. Yeah, that second middle part. Just about, like I think that's probably the first, is that the, <coughs> the second half of the second act? Yeah, probably yeah. the second mm -hmm. half of the second act. It was tough. Yeah. It's it's just call for me. Yeah. I, I, and honestly, 
if it wasn't for the flashback sequences, mm. it probably would be well. And mm. I know that the ratings don't back that up because this movie is loved. But yeah. for me, yeah. if it's not for the future sequences and the promise of the movie is not this movie. Yeah. It's a whiskey that hasn't aged well for you. Okay, exactly. Yeah. It has not aged well. Mm-hmm. I love Arnold's Lions. Um, the the animation and stuff like that you talked about is not done. Yeah, you, There's better then. And you can all say, well, that was all they had back then. Mm-hmm. Well, timeless movies mm-hmm. play across generations. Mm-hmm. And science fiction is tough that way. It also speaks to the success of the first Alien. Yeah, That movie is watchable mm-hmm. and rewatch. And you're like, that doesn't look bad today. Yeah. This movie is call and like kind of maybe only barely call for me. I'll talk about a special effect that was done three years prior to this, 1981, uh, American Werewolf in London. Okay. That werewolf transformation in that movie stands up today. It's every bit as horrific as it was back then. And it's all practical. And, and that's a scene, you know, remember I talked about, you see these this Terminator prosthetic in full light. That's done in a fully lit living room. Yeah. And that 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 effect holds well today. So maybe yeah, it was it could have been money, it could have been this, but that is a shortcoming of this of this first one at least. And again, the other part to me that keeps <clears throat> it from really getting there is the Cyberdyne Skynet and the mess that they've already set themselves up mm-hmm. for in that film. Um, again, I don't think he had any intentions of this ever being a franchise, so maybe he didn't care. It just needed to be some future corporation has bad intentions. But to take this and spin it into what it was, uh, it's just called, Jesse. Yeah. I mean, it's just called. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Well, cool. So let's wrap it up. We're going to lead this venture with a bit of a nightcap to kind of send us off into next week. But the Terminator franchise legacy, as we've discussed, the other thing that it had going for it as well was a whole video game market. There's maybe 15, 20 plus games on this entire franchise. That's crazy. Terminator 1, 2, 3, Salvation. <laughs> and here's the thing. They're almost all terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, these are bad games. I don't know if you remember. I always remember this game in the bowling alleys. Uh, was the Terminator T2 with the, with the Uzi guns? Yes. Where you play two player and yep. you got to blow these. Th- and that game was hard. It wasn't necessarily great. So, uh, okay. So, thinking about video games, my question to you, Matt, is... What movie, current, past, present, future, whatever, would make for a great modern video game? On the PS4, the Xbox One, with our modern video game engines, which film idea could allude to the best game? Hellraiser. I'm going to say Hellraiser because I think there's a galactic presence to this, which opens up infinite worlds. And by the time... Talk about a series that ran into some trouble as it got further along itself. The pinhead thing got to be (laughs) absurd. But there's enough offspring or versions of pinhead to where i think it's set up for many bosses before you get to the big one and then the way it's set with the horror element and horror doesn't always play well in video games sure. but it can if done well mm-hmm. i think that there's enough of a, a lineage a lineage or a legacy of story there with a really good bad guy mm-hmm. that seems to play better for me in a digital world than in the on the silver screen sure i would say hellraiser that would be pretty cool you know if you got <clears throat> You get that whole subgenre of the video game survival horror, yeah. Resident Evil, yeah. Dead Space. Yeah. They could totally take the Hellraiser trademark, kind of have like a pinhead or one of these Cenobites chasing you through these. Yeah, you're right. Earth, dimension, this, this, and that. That, that could be pretty cool. Yeah. And, and could be pretty, pretty bloody too, to say the least. Indeed. 
my choice would be, I had to think about this for a long time because, you know, I do like the Die Hard franchise, but they've made Die Hard Ooh. games before uh, Lethal Weapon. You know, I kind of started thinking about these action franchises, but then I came back to one that this could be really cool. And if it gets made, I want credit for it, <laughs> um, is Inception. Mm-hmm. Already a very high concept film idea, oh, yeah. translated into game with dream within a dream within a dream that could be pretty cool dream thievery you're part of a team and what you do on one affects what happens in the other and this affects the reality in the other that could be a lot of fun actually you have like players imagine playing think of this think of the possibilities of this there's a whole world of online gaming out there call of duty Fortnite, whatever uh imagine playing online with strangers from all over the world a, a four-player version of Inception online where you're all in a different level, but what these people are doing affects what you're doing up there. That's killer. That could be fun. That could be. That could be a lot of fun. So they don't typically make a lot of video game film adaptations as much anymore. That kind of died out in the mid to late 2000s. But back in the 80s when Terminator was coming out, in the 90s when... Super Nintendo and PlayStation, man, it was all the rage. Yeah. GoldenEye, uh, games like that. I actually have the NES uh, game for Total Recall, and it's a steaming pile of shit. <laughs> it's the, it's like, it's like doesn't even resemble the movie whatsoever, and uh-huh. it's impossible to play. Uh-huh. So they really botched a lot of these film um, trademarks that they Nintendo just got the rights to. But ET was really good. No, it's. <laughs> We actually had that. Oh, good. We well, had ET growing up. They had to. They had to offload like yeah. twenty thousand cartridges into Alamo Gordo, New Mexico, because yep. they just had nowhere to put them. Yep. So they just buried them in the dirt. <laughs> good God. It's funny. Oh yeah. So well, excellent. Well, this this has been a fun discussion of Terminator. Some very thought provoking questions. Uh, we're gonna pick this up next week with our final film in Corporation from Hell with another very heavy-handed corporation, Omni Consumer Products from the 1987 film RoboCop. Who directed it? Paul Verhoeven. Are you serious? That's weird. I think we need to call this Rye Smile Films featuring Paul Verhoeven. Featuring Paul Verhoeven. (laughs) It's so funny. This might be the last time we mention Verhoeven because I think we've hit all of his oeuvre in his filmography. So Yeah, you're right. I don't know what's left to talk about anymore after this, but there's a ton to talk about in RoboCop. Oh, yeah. This I'm just going to say this right now. And in my viewing of it, this might be the most violent film of the 1980s. I say the idea of RoboCop to people and they're like, oh, some robot police officer. I'm like, no, have you seen the movie? This right. thing like, they just, there's limbs, acid people being blown. Like this film is violence galore, but also a very interesting satire of the 1980s mm-hmm. to media, politics, consumerism, uh, megalomaniacal corporate takeovers all run by OCP. I can't wait to talk about this movie, actually. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. It's been a long time since I've seen it, Mm -hmm. uh, but the reviewing has gone really well, so we'll have a lot to talk about next week. Well, excellent. So raise one up, Matt. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to the listeners. And we got to be going today because there's a storm coming on the horizon. Judgment Day is coming, and we got to be ready. Have a good week, everybody. We will see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram 
to stay in the know for future episodes. And be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Google Play Music. The Terminator is property of Hamdell Film Corporation, Pacific Western Productions, Cinema 84, Orion Pictures, and MGM Pictures, and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. Hey, buddy, you got a dead cat in there or what? Fuck you, asshole.